Welcome to Budo, the Way of the Warrior podcast. This podcast is a collection of historical and philosophical references, contemplations, lectures, and exchanges with David M. Valadez, his students, and guests. Podcasts are recorded on the mat at the Ascension Center in Southern California and in studio. These podcasts are provided to cultivate the warrior on the way and to add light to their path. So we just did a positional rolling. This is like a controlled live environment. Okay, It's really just a game. But all sparring is a game in the sense that you're not, you don't want to just fight because the metric of your skill should not be your sparring partner. They're there just by coincidence, right? We didn't, they're not representative of a great skill. They're just signed up, do you know what I mean? They're there by coincidence, so it's not indicative of skill just that you bested that person, okay? So if you remember something I continually point to, is that opening page of Musashi's Book of Five Rings. It's it's a very interesting text. You should read it because it has a lot of strategy in there. And his definition for what we would call Budo is the way of strategy. And that makes sense because Budo is ultimately a wisdom tradition as it is an extension from Buddhism, Taoism. These are wisdom traditions which hold innately that there are better and worse ways to be, to live, to act, to speak. That's the difference between wisdom and unwise ways. So even if Buddhism talks about awakening, or even if Buddha talks about in Osensei's case, a communion with God, it is because those things, to be awakened or to be in communion with God, is a better way of being than to be unawakened or to be in discord with God. It, it is a wisdom tradition. So as such, you have to reflect at all times to make distinct unwise from wise. A simple formula is, what do you want? Like start there and then see if what you're doing is allowing you to gain that or is actually hindering you from gaining that. From there, once you, you kind of get there, then you have to figure out, should you want what you want? Is what you want wise? Or is it, even if you gain it, will it actually put you at a disadvantage? 
So in his reflection, Musashi is talking about the 60 duels that he did as starting as an adolescent, a teenager. And that section, as you know, is often quoted today as evidence for the importance of competition. But the next few lines after that passage, in his reflection on whether it is his competition, whether or not his competition is indicative of his skill as he's reflecting upon that assumption. In the next few lines, he reaches the reasonable and logical conclusion that it's not. That there could be any number of reasons why he defeated those 60 people. All the way from, they suck. Who were they? Just people in front of him. To luck. In combat, luck counts. Counts all the time. I can't tell you how many times, whether it be force-on-force force training, in law enforcement, or actually calls involving use of force, luck is probably well over 50% of the reasons why victory is achieved. And because it's so prevalent, but at the same time, because under reason, it is unpredictable, so therefore unreliable, you have maxims like luck is not a strategy. So he says luck. Could, be, could have been luck. If you summarize that, it's the same point. The person that you are sparring with is by no means the metric by which skill is measured. So you're not out here sparring to beat them. Your sparring is training-based. It is supposed to produce a particular skill, a needed skill. You have to understand there's any number of ways of besting your sparring partner that are extremely unskilled ways. That had you not been lucky or had they not been so unskilled, as Musashi points out, the way you bested them would never have worked. But behind that all, you're not getting better which is why you can't do that on whatever means you bested them. In particular, the one we constantly point out is the muscling means. You can't do it on more skilled people. You just lose worse. Or in this limited environment, so you have positional sparring. So one person's in mount, and the job of the other person is to get 
out of Bean Mountain. Okay. Person on Mount is supposed to do all they can to defend the Mount. So you were told, don't defend the top position. Defend the Mount. They're not, it's not quite the same thing. Because in real life, you defend the top position. You don't defend the Mount. If you're going to lose the Mount, you don't hold on to the Mount at the cost of being reversed having Mount Reversal done on you. You'll go to, you'll go to uh, Half Guard. You'll go to Neon Belly. You'll go to Side Control. Do you see that? You're, you're just, you want the top position. So here, do you see it's already a game? And as a game is designed to train you. So the person who knows how to defend the top position in the game, we'll get better at defending the mount because they have to defend the mount well past where they normally would. Do you see? And so if they play the game and they learn how to defend that mount, they're going to force the person on the bottom to commit to moves way more. And that'll make it easier to go neon belly, half guard, side control, etc. Okay? It's a game. There's rules. You're already told to do something you wouldn't do. But in doing that, you're going to get better at what you want to do ultimately. But you have to play the game as the teacher says. You can tell it's a game too by what's excluded. So there's no weapons in there. And we didn't have strikes in there. Right? But in playing the game, you have to keep the larger context in mind at all times. You have to go, there's no weapons here, and there's no strikes here, but I should be doing these moves in a way that it doesn't matter. And you will do that because that makes good technique. That is a wiser way to train. But if all you want to do is best your training partner, then you start, as we say, you start milking the game. You start gaming the game. In my opinion, this is one reason why competition is terrible for a martial art. The ego drives you into this microcosmic reality that no matter how much we tell you, this is not reality. The ego will feel like it is reality. That's what the ego does. The ego exists in delusional worlds, but feels like it's the real world. Which is why, as we saw, you'll muscle, you're going to muscle. You're going to muscle technique. Muscling technique in, in, in training in the dojo means that won't work in real life and definitely not against a stronger, bigger opponent. It's zero chance of working. Muscling, too, exposes you to weapons. So as you get fixated, as you huff and puff and grunt to push that knee for your elbow knee, and it's taking like one, two, three seconds, do you see? That's where a knife is drawn and you're dead. 
Or if we put strikes back in, that's where you get elbowed to the face on that side. You can't, and if you look at it, you, you can see why. Why? Why did, you, why did you get elbowed in the face? What did this muscling cause you? What did this contestation cost you? Well, your hand is away from your workspace, your upper thoracic cavity, your head. You can't defend yourself. And the whole time you're huffing and puffing, their balance gets to stay exactly where it is. Their center of gravity has not moved at all. So they have perfect balance, and you created an angle of attack with your fettered attachment to besting them. And now you got hit with the elbow in the head. And there's really no better mouth defense than being stabbed or being elbowed in the face. Do you, do you understand what I mean? If I, if I want to keep my mount, probably the easiest way is to put a knife in your throat or to crack your orbital socket and push your nose and have you chewing on your own teeth with my elbow. It's, I'm going to be able to hold that mount pretty easily. So here you have two ways of being, do you see? You're going to do the game in light of the bigger environment, which does include strikes and weapons and size variation. Or you're going to start gaming the game. And you're just going to try to best your partner here. And if we look at those two ways, one way can do a heck of a lot more, and one way can only do very little. And so, by the macrocosmic view of the Tao, one is wise and one is unwise. So you have to choose. You're at a crisis point. It's a question of what do you want to do, but ultimately, who do you want to be? So going back to Musashi, he, he writes those two passages back to back. At the beginning of his book, or his treatise, that he writes at the end of his training career. I can't remember exactly, but he's relatively young when, when uh, he stopped dueling. Maybe 30 or something like that. And it's several decades later that he passes away, and that's when he finishes this book. So what the heck did he do during the majority of his life where he trained, do you see? It wasn't dueling anymore. He's working on technique. He took out the, the, the delusional metric of a coincidental partner and went to the universal ideal technique. So I don't remember if I completed that thought, but this, this is, again, this is one of the downsides of how competition jacks up a system because everyone just chases the, the micro goal. 
Only the very discipline will see through delusion and then stop abiding in delusion. And so they, those people can spar. And they spar differently. So they don't try to outmuscle. They don't try to outspeed. They're fine if they don't get the move. Because they have aligned themselves with the wisdom course way. And their death, let alone their air quote defeat, is irrelevant to whether they abide and align with the wisdom course way or not. There's an ego reconciliation. There's an ego detachment that allows one to align with form in its ideal, idealized rendition that removes the practitioner from the dichotomous experience of you versus them. Even though there is a them in the game, their relationship is with this idealized form. Do, do you understand that? They're not really with that other person. They're with this idealized form. So often you'll see, because the ego and the ego tripartite, it doesn't disappear, it comes in, it comes in. They will release it at the moment they can feel it activating. So you'll see, they'll do a move, they'll stop that move because they can tell I'm in contest and they go to something else. But the other person just keeps doing these weird things, just keeps not doing the form. They, they're, they're, their metric is the other person. Which is why as you practice, you know you're muscling, you know you're contesting all kinds of stuff, you know you're doing because you're getting really tired and it's taking forever. How long does it really take to get someone off mount who cannot use the top game in total? It shouldn't, you shouldn't even be in that position for longer than 10 seconds, 30 seconds max, and that's because you're like, I'm gonna see how slow I can go and get this. That's why you have to play the top game. You don't play mounts. Do you understand? You, it's very difficult to defend one position against someone who knows what they're doing. So, so it's a huge disadvantage, right? And it's quite, it's quite contrary to some of the things you've been doing. So. Right? You're like, I'm not going to fight him as, as he's trying to push my knee. So you, 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 at first you went to the top game. You're like, I'll, I'll go in half guard. Half guard, again, is ideal in the top game. But remember, I was all, no, 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 you got to play the game. You got to, don't do that. So it's actually a disadvantage. You have to play a single top position. It's a huge disadvantage. That's why it makes you better. 
But as a disadvantage, the person on the bottom should be out in a matter of seconds. So you can tell, maybe you, you in your subconscious fear, ignition of ego, you can't feel how you're pushing on things. But you certainly can feel your exhaustion level because I'm watching you and you look exhausted. You're talking to yourself like you're exhausted. And certainly you don't lose track of entire time. Like, God, I've been trying to get out from under this for a long effing time. But there's no consciousness of having done it incorrectly. Do you see that? And this is where you veered from Musashi. So he saw what he saw, and then he never went back. This is how you abide in wisdom. This is how you align with the wisdom course way. You never go back. That's the whole assumption of reflection. Once a delusion is exposed, you never go back. We can't say you reflected if you go back and abide in delusion. We would say you did not reflect. So my point in showing you that, look, I'll play the game when I demonstrated. I played the game, and I'm not moving that fast. I'm going pretty slow never huge amounts of muscle, and I'm out in relatively few seconds. Then I said, okay, let's add the strikes in. It got easier. It gets easier because a person in their contestation will sacrifice their position for striking. And then they open themselves up to the sweeps and reversals. But if you're doing it wrong, then you get opened up to the strikes. And everything that looked like it was working is exposed for why it's not working. But if you're doing it right, nothing changes. Okay, so let's look at that reality. I can play the game in two ways. Do you see that? It's very possible to play the game in two ways. In one way where the game is played, but the larger universe is still present. And in another way, I play the game, but I'm now just trying to best my person, my partner. And I cannot address the larger universe once it is inputted back into the game. Why? Because at the cost of using your partner as a metric, you let go of the technique as an idealized form. You're not trying to do the form. If you did the form, the form has been filtered through centuries. Centuries of years and who knows how many people and how many incidents. It is foolish in the face of all that input, all that variation, all that adaptation, 
to try to wing it right now and come up with it. If you align yourself with the form and you only do the form, you do not let yourself get attached to your partner as the metric, then the larger universe can be plugged back in and you're fine. When you do that, now, now there's some benefit to sparring. Because unlike Kihon Waza, certain things rise to the forefront. They're always present in Kihon Waza. So for example, you can't do Kihon Waza without a level of constant adaptation. It's not possible. Not here at least. The distinction here is whether we have a choreographed uke or whether we have a uke who is, uh, has our rules. Reconcile yin and yang, you're responsible for your own injuries. Don't get injured. Don't die. In other dojo where the, the uke does whatever, what, what technique are we working on? Oh, I just go right into that stylized ukemi. Do you see that? And then they do their high break fall at the end. There's no need for adaptation there. You could do whatever. And if you pay attention, there's schools where they do do whatever. The naga is not even touching the uke. Not touching the uke at all. <laughs> Just waving their hands in the direction of the pattern. And the uke will take the fall. The insanity is that people who do let the naga touch them, but the naga is not actually manipulating their body, are critical of the other person. It's the same. Uke is the agent. Uke does not have the passive role assigned to them as the yin aspect of the kihonwaza. But here... Not like that. So the uke always does something a little different. Every uke is a little different. And every rep is a little different. And so there, deep down, there's always a constant adaptation required. In other words, jiu waza is always amidst in kihon waza. Otherwise, you lose the technique. Meaning, you're going to push and pull that uke because you didn't adapt to where they are. Uh, you adapted to your version of the form. But that adaptation, that jiu waza amidst that kihon waza is so subtle, it's so small, that many of you don't even realize it's happening as I'm demonstrating the technique. You might go, that looked a little different, but now you're off to your own thing. Instead of going like, wow, that was a total moment of spontaneity and a deconstruction of the ego tripartite and you're paying attention to that. That's where I would key in. You already know the damn technique. Okay, but in sparring, that, that capacity to 
deconstruct the ego tripartite, to stop the mind from being fettered, to activate the second mind aspect so you can chew gum and walk, so you can move at the speed of life. So the mind is not experiencing reality dichotomously and therefore all your technique is late. It rises to the forefront. Such that, if you can do that, you don't really even need technique. You just follow the yin-yang energetic patterns. If you pay attention when you were in your contestation mode and you're gaming the game, you're in full-on ego tripartite. You're in full-on dichotomous experience of the world. And you cannot find the openings. Which is a total denial of yin-yang cosmology. There's always an opening. Just, that's a first principle. There's always an opening. The reason you don't find it or you don't see it is because your ego tripartite is functioning. Your mind got fettered. It got stuck. And now all you, ha all you can do is the only reality that presents itself to you, which is the fear-based reality, which is overpower the thing that's overpowering you you're going to push on the thing that's pushing on you. You're going to practice contestation in an art of non-contestation, so you're not going to do the art. So if you go back and you're like, I can't get them off of me until like two, three minutes when they start letting me. I get really tired as we're doing this drill. I felt like vomiting as we're going on. Some of you felt like crying in your desperation. To, you couldn't do anything. All that is signs you're doing it wrong. You're unwise right now. But you could see... It, it first comes back to this sign of spiritual maturity, this skill in ego deconstruction. And there's always a place to move. There's always a place to move. There's always a time to move. Pay attention to the little gaming strategies that you've been given. The dude can't defend A and B at the same time. That's just the yin-yang cosmology put into a game. Do you, do you understand that? Can't do both. But the ego tripartite, the fear-generated sense of self, cannot recognize A and B simultaneously either. It can only do A, or it can only do B. So it might as well be it, it will present itself as if someone could defend A and B at the same time because you can never attack A and B at the same time. So they defend A, now you move on to B, they defend B, now you move on to C, they defend C, do you see, and you get nowhere. So that, that's what you felt. And again, you were going to cry. Pay attention. Only the ego can cry. The second mind aspect just 
rejoins with God. Death is peaceful. It's transitional, walking out the door. But the ego suffers. You're having the emotional roller coaster in the sparring. It's a clue. You're doing it wrong. If you can't attack A and B simultaneously, your ego tripartite has you. If you're getting exhausted, you're practicing contention. You have a dichotomous experience of the moment. Your ego tripartite is in full functioning. So my teacher called the art moving Zen. Because Zen is about deconstructing that ego tripartite. You do it on the cushion. Because of our, uh, our identity, our identity, the way it affiliates with our thoughts. You can do Zazen and the thoughts will come in. And you go from developing a metacognition where you're not your thoughts because you can stop your thoughts to eventually where you learn the skill of releasing the thoughts. And now you have the skill. This is a releasing skill. That's the awakening. Agency in releasing or agency in deconstructing the ego tripartite. In Zazen, done through thoughts. In your jujitsu, it's done through your body. Of course, you can't separate the mind and body, right? Because a lot of your thoughts in Zazen about how bad your body hurts from sitting in that meditative pose. Now, likewise, in, ju in your jujitsu, in your sparring environments, you're going to feel, you should be able to feel, just like you can observe your thoughts coming into you during Zazen, you should be able to feel the ego tripartite functioning as you enter into dichotomous behavior with all those clues I gave you. And what you're supposed to do is release, is deconstruct. Very, very tangible way. It's not, it's not a crazy abstract way. When you experience in dichotomy, you're going to push on the thing that's pushing on you. Stop pushing on the thing. There you did the releasing skill. What's driving you into pushing? Oh, my partner is the metric that I'm measuring my skill. Stop that. Unattached from that, attached to the idealized form. In this way, the idealized form, pay attention. The idealized form can never manifest itself in reality. Do you understand that? You can never manifest it perfectly. Concentrically, this is identical to the God concept. So here in jujitsu, you have, as O Sensei said, that this is the means for communion with God. How do I gain it? I have to deconstruct the ego tripartite. How do I do that? It's very simple. It's hard to do, but it's very simple. 
cease all dichotomous behavior. Let go of it. Just like the beginner Zazen practitioners, let go of the thought. Just release it. Just open your hand and let go of it. Let it fall. Don't throw it down. Don't try to throw it far away. Just open your hand. Your only goal is to open your hand. It will fall on its own. Your only goal is to open your mind and the thought will fall on its own. That's really what you're training in when you do live training environments. They are ideal to produce the ego tripartite as your ego gets you into unwise ways of behaving and perceiving the world, such as my partner is the metric of my skill. They produce that. Obviously, they produce that. But therein is the chance for cultivating this opening, this releasing, this letting go skill. And that's what you have to do. Otherwise, we're wasting our time. You're, you're not just wasting your time in terms of, you know what? That's actually the goal of Budo. So I, I, I'm actually not going to do the goal of Budo. I'm going to do Budo, but I'm not going to do the goal of Budo. I thought that might be good for me. No, that's kind of ridiculous, right? But even at a mundane level, I'm trying to defend myself. No, you're not. If we put strikes in and weapons back in and, and we ignore weight categories, you're fucked. So if you really wanted to defend yourself, you would get into this spiritual path. Because without it, the spiritual immaturity of the ego tripartite functioning leads you constantly into an experience and a participation in contestation. And you're done. You're dead. You're dead. So some of you had some real emotional roller coasters out there. I would like for you to share, because there's a lot of people here that are going to feign that they didn't have an emotional roller coaster, okay? And they, they need to know, yeah, you did, okay? So if you would like to come up, please. Uh, and share, just, just reflect on your experiences that you just had. Um, for me, it was in the huge contrast that I felt uh, in going with you uh, when you added the strikes um, to show you know, that my muscling doesn't work. And um, of course, I'm pushing and trying to defend, um, um, getting hit in the face <laughs> and everything. Um, in contrast to the reps that came afterwards where you showed me the alternative of hooking and going around and finding the open space, it was just like, it was complete, it was eye-opening, not that I would be able to reproduce that right away, but to feel it was, uh, it was incredible. Okay, wait, hold on. 
what do you think? So you, you had some contrast, do you see? Okay, now let's use that contrast. Let's reflect on it like Musashi did. Um, you mentioned that you were pushing and muscling before. Okay, now in our reflection process, as a path, I mean, as a, as a wisdom course way, we have to ask, why? Why was I muscling and pushing before such that when we added strikes, I couldn't do anything? Do you, un do you understand that? Okay. Um, that, that's the question now to the field. You got it? So I saw you getting shut down by a little boy, okay? Uh, I saw you almost crying, right? You got, you got it? I saw you get shut down by a much smaller man than you, okay? Uh, so the question is why, why? Got it? Okay. And again, the easiest thing to do is to just sit there and let the day go by and not make a problem out of why a little boy shut you down. Do you see? That? It's not supposed to happen, is it? Do you, do you guys understand that? It's not supposed to happen. Why? Because all the odds are in your favor. Why? Because they got restri restricted to the mount defense and not top game defense. Do you understand that? Do you understand that? There's, there's no way. And again, how many people are on mount and not realizing there's no way I could win this? Do you see that? How many people are on mount and are like feeling pretty good? <laughs> you were crazy again. You didn't understand. There's no way you could do that. If there was a way, that would be the only position you would learn. Get to mount, stay in mount. You just, once you're mount, no one's going to get rid of you. <laughs> like, no. No, not true at all. Okay? So nobody should have been shut down, but a lot of people were shut down. So how about we ask, why am I doing that? Why am I doing that? Got it? Why do I veer from the technique and use my partner as some sort of metric? Or why am I motivated to muscle and push and oomph, right? I think, for example, some of you were quite surprised on how strong she was. She's very strong when you're doing something with her. I always see your faces. You're always surprised because you think of her as not strong because you have a lot of these other emotional fragility things going on. And then you're surprised. Holy cow, this woman's strong. And now she's muscling the heck out of you. You're like, wait, I thought it was a school teacher crying in the corner person. No, holy cow, she's beating the crap out of me. You got it? Do you see that? Uh, already... The fact that you got that surprise is telling you already in a functioning ego tripartite. So why? For me, what I had was this preference and avoidance part specifically of the ego tripartite that you talk about. I wanted to avoid getting beat and I preferred to win. So I chose the smaller goal of beating that guy or that guy or even you and not just, as they say, take the L in light of learning the lesson. So for me, it was really hard to accept just being beat 
And that caused me to pretty much lose everything I've learned and just go back to that habitual push back, try to muscle them. There's got to be a way to win it. And the more I focused on not being beat or the more I focused on winning, the more I fo- the more I didn't trust that there was always an opening. If I felt something pushing against me, I didn't trust that I couldn't. I didn't trust that I didn't have to push against that. I didn't trust that there was an opening somewhere else. This idea of trust is, uh, I'll put it in my words, it's faith. Um, Just a story. So a lot of people get into modern Aikido today as a kind of like, uh, because there's a huge social trend in the first world, particularly in the United States and particularly in California. You're looking at a cultural movement spearheaded by a particular demographic. Don't, don't even for a second think it's about some sort of objective truth that's motivating people. It's a particular demographic. It's a cultural movement being pushed by people in a particular economic, sociological, and thus psychological context. A lot of people come to things like Aikido, things like Budo, things like Buddhism, ultimately as a reaction to their terrible relationships that we've all had with our fathers. But in the middle of that is the renunciation of our religious foundation in this country. So in particular, our Judeo-Christian traditions. And part of those Judeo-Christian traditions include this notion of faith. And so people that are escaping that in their minds, do you see? They're finding freedom by escaping that. Faith to them is this kind of bondage because it's part of that. So they have all these myths about the ignorance and the risk of faith that they tell themselves. You can't believe like that. And, and, but the delusion is that, that you actually have freedom. You have agency. That, that's where the delusion comes in. It's no, in other words, it's no mere coincidence that in this so-called freedom where we free ourselves from faith and we're all acting on reason, that on the one hand, we have how many views? Where's the truth nowadays? And on the other hand, everyone is being manipulated to think and behave the same way. What happened to my freedom? Why the heck do I have to tattoo my body, pierce my face, and get confused about my gender? That's just what we do now. Everyone goes through it. Make a problem out of your sexuality. You have to.
I don't want to. You have to. The people come into this and you talk about faith and they're like, no, no, no. So I was shocked at one time in a conversation with the Seri Sensei because he never talked about. To him, the art was, and again, it's like a parent, do you see? Your teacher's like a parent. You don't really know your parents. That's one of the ignorant pride of children is they, know their, they think they know their parents. This is why you always have a movie there's always a movie where, you know, you find some freaking treasure box after your parents pass away and you're like, oh my God. You don't know their struggles. You don't know their fears. You don't know their wants. You have no idea. Well, the teachers are like that. So I was close to a Seri Sensei and, and he felt like a father to me in many ways a grandfather to my children when they were babies. But I don't pretend I knew, I knew Sensei. And this occasion was clear that he surprised me. Because he never talked about faith. Never. He didn't really talk about the spiritual journey either in the art. He seemed like a professor of motion he was interested in the motion but if you dug a little deeper you'd realize that this guy is hugely into sacred geometry so he's moving a certain way because past civilizations have identified certain patterns in the universe that are innately representative of God. And through ritual, or through the performance of Kihonwaza, he is, in essence, moving his body in the pattern that is representative of God. And that was all we were doing for him. I shouldn't say that was all, but that's what we were doing in his mind. And I don't know. I used to think like, man, okay, Sensei gave me that book on sacred geometry and uh, he's let me hold, he pulls out these Buddhist uh, instruments, ritual instruments, which themselves are shapes of the sacred geometry, do you see? And he's all like, here... So I get like, if you go into adult learning, I got to intellectually understand it by reading the book, but I had to like hold this thing and manipulate it in my hands the whole time. Like, well, what's that about, sensei? But have I not landed on the same thing? I'm just tracing the cosmos, man. And internally, I'm doing the same thing.
But at that time, it was kind of like, whoa, 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 whoa. I thought we were all secular materialists here. <laughs> what are you talking about, man? There's no Einsteinian theory in your sacred geography. But at one point, he, we, we were... Uh, This, this woman, he like didn't give her the time of day, a woman deshi. And she came up with, I thought, a sincere question. And he just blew it off. And again, you know, what do you do with your teachers? And you don't know them and you're like, oh, my teacher is so good. He would never blow someone off. You start, you start adopting that view of hippie Jesus, do you see? He was all hippie. Jesus would never blow someone off. He would totally validate their need to not be blown off by going, yes, my child. But Sensei was all like, bye, Felicia. <laughs> and I was like, Whoa, what the heck? And I was like, I'm going to go help her afterwards, right? But then it felt like, oh, man, Sensei probably isn't helping her for a reason, do you see? So it sparked my question, because that would be bad. Sensei's not helping her, oh, I'm going to go help you. I was like, it's not, she's not my deshi. So I was all like, let me ask Sensei why. Sensei, you know, how come you didn't answer her question? It wasn't anything profound. It was a simple thing. And he's all, she has no faith. This same sentiment is in the gospel, right? No pearls before swine. So faith is indeed a component of this. You can't get rid of faith, right? Because the, and the, here's why, okay? It's, again, it's not... It's not, faith is not the mythic, villainized practice that the modern secularists need it to be in order to function fully within their ego. Faith is actually the precursor of alignment with the wisdom course way. because of how the ego tripartite functions. The ego tripartite will put you in that dichotomous experience of the world, in this case, the sparring situation. This thing's pushing on you, so you will push on it. But that's not all that happens, do you see? That's what's happening on the outside. On the inside, that is your reality. There is no other reality for you to perceive at that moment. That is it. This is why we say it's an ego tripartite. It's connected to this sense of identity, to this utilization of the dichotomous patterns, and then the behavioral pattern of avoidance and preference. It all manifests simultaneously. So when you push on that knee, it's not you're just you're pushing on that knee. That's all you could do. That's all you can experience. You have no more access to any other 
contact point to the infinite nature of the yin-yang cosmology. It separates you from infinity, from God consciousness. So you're pushing on it because that's all you can do, because that's all you can experience. Well, when you let go, as I said, just let go, just stop pushing on that. You're not going to stop pushing on it without that. It's like a lubricant, faith. Without that first, it's going to be okay. Do, do you see that? That's what faith is. It's that spark from a stone, micro preceding moment where you go, there is an infinite universe. And I'm experiencing a singular universe with no opportunity but this contestation. When you, you need faith to go, no, 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 that's not the nature of the universe. Do you see that? And that's, again, if you go back and you go like, I do not believe. I do not believe that a person cannot defend A and B simultaneously. I do not believe that. Well, then no jujitsu for you. Do, you. do you understand that? It's, just, it's a first principle. What's a, what is your first principle then? It's faith. You have to risk it. And in that sense, faith is, is cultivatable. The faithful keep risking it, and as they keep risking it, they become more faithful. Back to why. Sensei, I'll cut to the heart of what I experienced today. Um, I had many failures uh, the whole time, and uh, they were all due to all the things you've already previously um, described. But when I went with you and felt your technique and the violence was um, incorporated, the level of failure was um, so complete and utter. It was like nothing I've ever experienced in all the years I've been here. It was a failure on the level of, it was a spiritual failure. And I don't know if anyone here heard me actually uh, beg for mercy and needing it to stop because I just couldn't do it anymore. I've never gone to that point of failure ever before. And it was um, the, the, um, the reality of the violence and with each of those bam, 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 each one it's... Um, in my whole body is just, I'm dead, I'm dead, I'm dead, I'm dead. And that was all I could just keep, I could not do that final releasing of, so I'm dead. <laughs> and that's, that's the part I realized I could not get to that point and, and do that release at that point. And that's when I completely and utterly shut down. So going back to Musashi then, it's important to realize that he saw through the delusion of using his dueling partner as a metric for his skill. Do you see? When we talked about faith, really what your, your, your faith in the infinite nature of the cosmos, do you see? Such that can't defend A and B. There's always an opening. There is always an opening. Your faith in the yin-yang cosmology, do you see? 
And so you would have faith that this obstacle exists only because I'm pushing on it. That's why there's an obstacle. If I stop pushing on it, there is no obstacle. I participate in the construction of the obstacle. That's a faith statement. Because psychologically, you don't, you will not, that's not how you experience it. That guy's pushing on you. Do you see that? So Musashi sees through the delusion. Well, that's the other side of that same faith. What I'm experiencing is delusional. So, for example, in the way that you described it, for a viewer that was not here, it sounds like I'm just beating the shit out of you. Does, didn't it? The description? Like, holy cow. I'd like to see him do that on a man. <laughs> there, there's always that poster out there, right? Anyway, I'd like to see him do it on a man. Forgetting that I'm a cop. Like to see him. How insulting. And then ignoring everything we just talked about. There's no muscle involved. The, the exact amount of time, pay attention. So we got... Three people here, obviously bigger than me. The amount of time of escape was the same. The same compared to smaller people. It's that same time frame. Did you guys notice that? It's the same moves. There's no difference there. It's the same level of energy output. There's no difference there. But part of this faith is to realize that you are abiding in delusion when those symptoms show up. So your experience, and, and to understand that that experience is connected to your identity, do you see? But to go past that and go, my experience is actually delusional. That that's not what happened. So it was no weight on you. There was no weight on you. So I wasn't in mount on you. I was straddling you with my knees. There was, my, there was no weight on you. And there's no strikes being thrown. They're just simulated strikes, meaning I'm not hitting you. But I'm not cat-pawing you or laser-fingering you like some of you tried. You knew had that wound up, but what was it for real? Nothing. But you experienced it at such a traumatic level. Because only the ego can experience trauma. And what did you do? So you tried to remember the ego tripartite has that third prong of the behavioral pattern of avoidance and preference. So you, you, 
tried to muscle, and the point of that was you can't muscle, you'll open yourself up to strikes as you try to muscle. Because it takes too long, you're delaying too long, okay? You're, you, you're not taking their balance, it's taking forever to create some sort of demounting, and they're just going to hit you as you're trying to do that. That's what's going to happen. And you see that at very high levels in, in sport jiu-jitsu. You plug it back in the strikes, or like in combat jiu-jitsu, or you, that person goes to MMA, and they're allowed to hit, and now it's like this person doesn't know anything. Okay? They've been gaming the game. That's what's happened. This is a criticism that some of the older Gracies have. It's like, they can tell. Put strikes back in there, you're going to be in trouble. We just prove their point. Okay? But you experienced it in an entirely different way from what it actually was. Because there's no weight on you. You're not being hit. What really is driving you to this begging for mercy that is stop? It sounded like you were getting pummeled and the shit beat out of you. Then everyone would go intuitively, that makes sense. I would like that to stop too. But that's not actually what was happening. You just couldn't get any of your stuff going. No one was being hit. No weight is on you. You could totally breathe. But if you paid attention, even your breathing got inhibited. So in the same way that the ego tripartite, that first mind aspect, cannot experience an alternative to pushing on the person, your same experience, whatever that experience is of that moment, whatever your uh, world you're living at that time, through faith you already want to accept is pure delusion, not real. And you can't stop that without faith. Because everything about it is telling you it's real. Right? So you know, we've talked about it before, the matrix is based on philosophy. Like legit, if you, if you watch the, uh, you look for the Easter eggs in the story, they reference the philosophers, but most people don't know the history of philosophy, so you miss the Easter eggs and you just watch the cool special effects but in essence you're in the matrix do you see you can't you can't separate your experience of reality the first mind cannot do that it simultaneously as long as 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 it experiences dichotomy as it enters a behavioral pattern of avoidance and per and and preference it tells you that this is the only reality that exists and therefore this is the true reality and the only way out of that is faith if you try to find another way out there's no other way out pre-modern man the ancients landed on faith not out of some sort of lack of reason but through the application of of the finest of reasons. The mind cannot free itself. 
This is the ultimate truth. Descartes is wrong. He's wrong. He's an idiot. I think, therefore, I am. It can't excuse the thing. How do you know you're not a brain in a vat? How do you know you're not in the matrix? That's like, that goes on to be a philosophy problem. They, they pretend there's answers. There's no fucking answers. There is no answers. But pre-modern man realizes, look, consciousness is all enveloping. There's no experience outside of consciousness. There's not. Not from a reason point of view. But so they go deeper. That's where they go into the second mind aspect. There is an experience where there's no distinction between you and consciousness. That's the second mind aspect. That's communion with God. And your sparring training is that. That is what it is. This other thing you're doing, maybe you get it here or there, but you know what? Soon you're going to be my age. You're not going to be doing what I'm doing at my age. I can tell already. You can't even do what I do at my age, at your age right now. So you have to stop doing what you're doing. You're going to have to get some faith in here. You're going to have to accept this view of reality is delusional. You're going to have to accept this is not the only thing I can do. And you cut to the chase of the beginner skills. You're pushing on something. Stop pushing on that thing. Focus on technique. Not your partner is a metric of skill. They're not a metric of skill. They are a catalyst or an instigator for the ego tripartite to create those two delusions which require faith to escape from. That's all they are. That's what your sparring partner is. And that is the goal of sparring because you're bringing that problem to the surface in ways you cannot do so readily in Kihonwaza. Do not get confused. Whoever you're sparring with is no metric of skill, let alone this spiritual maturity. They're they're not. You best them through the ego tripartite. You have wasted your time. Your goal in sparring is this faith. And through that faith, the gaining of agency in deconstructing the ego tripartite and abiding in the second mind aspect in communion with God. This concludes this episode of Budo, the Way of the Warrior podcast. For more information, please visit sentiencenter.com, S-E-N. 
S-H-I-N-C-E-N-T-E-R.com or find us at Facebook at Sension Center and on our YouTube channel at Sension One. Thank you for listening.